future fans, your boy Reyes, and your boy Jim Resigno. Say what's up, Jim. What's up, baby? We're back. It's been a long <laughs> hiatus, if you want to call it that, but we are officially back. On I'm a not new sure. platform. What are, what are we going to be? What are we going to be doing? Weekly? We're going to be doing weekly, uh, officially, to kick it off, and... You're going to be getting a lot more content from the other guys of the site. Uh, from Bleacher Fan, you're going to get Sully, you're going to get Tony, a bunch of other guys who are hilarious, funniest, funniest shit, knowledgeable. This is just to kick it off. You're going to be getting content from all over the places. You're going to be getting all your Nick Foles hold, <laughs> filled up. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our uh, Super Bowl recap slash free agency coaching movement episode. And it's going to be kind of a rapid fire just because, you know, I know the, the Super Bowl already happened about two weeks ago, but we can't kick this off without talking a little bit about it. And we have a great interview, but we're going to guess to some topics first, but we have a great interview around the 30 minute mark with Max Selter. He works for today's athletes. They got guys like Kevin Garnett, Big Baby Davis, Kendrick Perkins, Chris Hogan, Dwayne Harris. And a lot okay. more other guys, Marcus Cooper from the Bears. So we got a lot of good stories uh, in that interview. But to get to the Super Bowl, so yeah, it was it was good. Um, just had two people over, and it was a grueling experience. But to be honest, from the kickoff, I knew from the very first drive there was something inside of me that kind of said we're gonna lose this game for the simple fact that. The Eagles drove right down the field, and if it wasn't for a false start by Zach Ertz, they would have scored a touchdown that same first drive, and we would have been got like it would have been a worse game than it was. But we just could not stop anything that Doug Peterson was doing. And to add to that, I think that was the best coach game I have ever seen in all the years that I've watched football. I think Doug Peterson pressed the right buttons. Uh, the preparation, the execution of the Eagles was top notch. It was, it was what the Patriots do to other teams, but the Eagles did it to us. So right, I I definitely think he opened up like he went deep in that playbook, man. He was like like I know the Patriots did start off with that trick play, like they they were the first ones to try to attempt that trick play with Tom oh, catching it. And Philly special. <laughs> the but, Philly but, special. Yeah, the Philly special. I mean, let's just be honest here. Like, people are, are getting on Tom for not catching that. That ball was not thrown, especially to a guy who's not a receiver. Because, you know, the receivers do have the special. They, they have that ability to catch the ball. Tom is not one of those guys. So, if you really want Tom to catch that ball, that ball has to be placed right in the fucking cradle, you know? So, yeah, I just... Like, like you said, right from the beginning, because I had money on the Patriots, so I, I was on the Patriots. I was on that bandwagon for this game. I was just because, like, look, I'm a Giants fan. There's no possible way I could root for the for the Eagles. You know, there's just no way. And I just feel like there was a lot of there was a lot of Giants or people that call themselves Giants fans who were rooting for the Eagles. I mean, I just I just don't know how that's possible. Like, I, I mean, look, I know Giants fans are like, oh, but the Patriots played us in the Super Bowl, this and that, but it's like. We beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. There's no reason for you to dislike no, them. There's no rivalry. We do not play each other every year. We right. have nothing to do with each other. It, I completely agree with you. I, I don't have any hate towards the Giants. And I think you brought up a great point about that Tom Brady pass. If you look at the two plays, it's the same play. It was the handoff to the uh One was to the receiver. The other one was to Trey Burton. And... If you look at the pass Burton threw, Nick Foles was able to backpedal and catch it because it was oh, kind it was of right there. Up. It was right there. And he's he lobbed it up, but it was kind of a leading pass. Right. So it's easier to turn around, stand, and jump up and catch it than to be a quarterback on the run, forty years old, and catch it. Exactly. But that neither here nor there. It was the execution and Doug Peterson on a fourth down in their goal line. To, to you know, when the Eagles defense was not stopping Tom, not stopping the Patriots. Let's not say it's not stopping Tom, not stopping the Patriots. It was the right time to call it, the, the perfect button to press, and they were rolling. I mean, and, and the, the thing is, I know we're giving Peterson the credit, but if you've seen the video, Foles was actually the one who made that call. Yeah, he said, let's call the Philly Philly. Yeah, the Philly and special. Another thing is, that Philly special play... Um, 
Foles actually won, I think, a high school championship off of that play. So he he was pretty familiar with the play. So, and yeah, I, if you go yeah. ahead. If you look at uh, before the game, I was reading Doug Peterson filled up that game plan with all of Nick Foles' favorite plays. So that was another thing that helped out Nick is he had all the plays that he was comfortable with, the plays that he loved, and it showed. It showed. And I mean, that's listen, you got to give all the credit to the guy there because you're playing with your backup at this point. So it's like you want yep. him to be as comfortable as he could possibly be. But um, yeah. I, and... I mean, the thing about it is, too, the Eagles were rushing four and getting to Tom pretty frequently. That was... I, that was one of the things I saw because I was watching the game pretty closely. I was at a party, but, like, yeah. since I did have money on the game, I was really pretty attentive to the game. I mean, everyone at the party pretty much was watching the game pretty closely. But, yeah. like, I just noticed it was, like, four guys rushing, and they were getting the – even if they're not hitting him, they're hurrying him up. You know what I mean? So it was, like yeah. – I don't know. I, I Maybe it was it's, – it's really hard to say, but, like, I guess Philly, you know, they just they just had that better game plan. They They – they outcoach the goat, you know. That, that that's really what it comes down to. Like Bill, he's yeah. the goat. Like we, there's no arguing there. Yeah, I, I, I'll go a little against the grain on that regard. I, I think with the four players that they were rushing, they were penetrating on a side, but I don't think we're, they were generating a, a great rush. If if that makes sense, mm-hmm. I think that they were getting past you know a certain side, but they were really. Uh, besides that that strip sack they weren't really getting there you know they weren't hitting home right and it's like i wrote it in on the site i think this is the weirdest game i have seen as a patriots fan because we kept malcolm butler on the sideline i mean if we get into that we're gonna be here all day Mm -hmm. it's it's weird there's contrasting stories whether he missed curfew he was high he cursed out the coaches We'll never know because then Tom goes and comments on Malcolm Butler's picture. You're a great teammate, you know. You're a stand-up guy, so it just seems like it just seems like there's a lot of turmoil there, you know. Like even if it's not like if it's not like publicly calling each other out, there's always that like that like that little subliminal message, you know. Like I don't know, it's 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 the Patriot way, and that's that's not what's being displayed right now. The Patriot way is. You shut up. Don't you don't let all the problems in this building get outside, and we handle everything internally. But it's not going down like that, and it seems to be stemming from the Jimmy G trade. I I, I do 100% believe that Bill did not want to trade Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that Bill wanted to trade Tom either, but I think he wanted to eventually pass the reins over to Jimmy. And once he noticed that, you know, Brady was gonna keep playing. <laughs> He traded Jimmy away at the last second, and he got some value for it, which was a second round pick. Essentially, it's a it's a low uh, it's a low first rounder because it is the thirty third pick. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of turmoil, as you said, and now we lost Matt Patricia, and we almost lost Josh McDaniels, which is the next topic we'll talk about. In what do you think about that whole fiasco that he left, didn't leave, he came back, he stayed? I mean, what do you think? Honestly, I I think it's 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 a very snake move. Let's just start off by saying that because you have a team in the Colts who's they're 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 basically they're they're basically looking at it like all right, we got our next guy. You know, it's it's time to start looking at the you know the other things, the other maybe position players, position coaches, whatever it may be. But like for him to. For him to back out of that deal, that pretty much tells me that this is probably going to be Bill's last year because I'm sure Kraft ended up telling McDaniel's, "Listen, we want you to be, the, you know, we 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 want to keep it in the system. You know, we want to keep it in the, basically, we want to keep that what Bill that has. Culture. We want to keep culture. that going, right? Exactly. We want to keep that culture. So, I'm thinking that Kraft ended up telling him, "Listen, this is probably going to be Belichick's last year, and you know, we want to hand the reins off to you. You know, once Belichick retires, yeah. you're the next man up." Yeah. So and I I saw just to add to what you're saying, I saw a piece that Willie McGinnis spoke to Josh and that Josh said it's not a sure thing that I'm gonna take over after Bill, but I think that's also just a formality kind of saying like, you know, we don't know when Bill will leave, but I a hundred percent agree with you. I think 
this is Bill's last year. I mean, he's under contract for one more year. I think this is the last year, and if it isn't, he coaches two years max. Just to clarify, we're saying his last year, meaning this upcoming season, he's going to be coaching yes, one yes. more year, he's right? Under yeah. Contract. yeah, yeah, right. uh, absolutely. So and before we hop into this, I, I just want to go back to the Super Bowl real quick. Now, as far as the catch rule in the NFL, it, it, it's very inconsistent. And I, there was two touchdowns that the Eagles got that were very questionable to me. I mean, the Zach Ertz play, if we're talking about what's a catch and what's not a catch, that play should be called a catch. But the issue I have with it is they're not being consistent with the rule because you, you have you have the play with Jesse James on the Steelers earlier in the year. That one got called back. I mean, you can even go back as far as Des Bryant. All the Cowboys fans, all he called it, this and that. I mean, if we're talking about a catch, that they really have to figure out, they have to come up with some type of that's consistent. Right. It has to just be consistent because they're now it's coming down to game changers here because, listen, if one one out of two of those gets called back, you know, the Patriots win the game. Yeah. I I agree with you. I mean, I don't I'll, – I'll just at this point, I'll just say there were both catches. I think the Ertz one was very close. He was a runner and – See, the Ertz one, I would be totally okay with them calling a touchdown. And, I, I mean, listen, I'm okay with them calling yeah. it, but – they like the I said the consistency, right? The, the Clement, Clement play is to me movies. that is not a that is not a touchdown because like everyone is everyone's gonna come back and say oh but he had three steps in but it's like if you really look at that play when he the catches ball the moving. ball the ball is moving the ball was not solidly not moving until he gets those two steps in and that last step the last yeah. step he was out of bounds so I mean uh, let's call it how it is here that that play should not have been called a touchdown. It, it, if we're I think being it consistent with how the rule was called all year, you know what I mean? That's what it really is. Exactly. And that's my main issue, and that's why I'm not arguing it anymore, and that's why I just say it was a catch. But the NFL has to meet, and they have to clearly define what a catch is, what a catch isn't, because, you know, we're going to say it, Des caught it then. If, if it's for the rules of what we've seen right now, Des caught it, Kevin Johnson caught it. Right. Like, this is it's getting out of hand. It, like you said, that Jesse James and the uh, Zach Ertz play were almost identical. Okay, yep. Jesse was a, a runner, an established runner, but it's it's eerily all the same stuff. And then these guys are gonna overturn it. They're not gonna overturn it. As fans, we're kind of left out in the dark, just basically crossing our fingers, not knowing what's gonna happen. It, so it, yeah, agree. right? Completely agree. And. Yeah, now the Colts, uh, they signed Frank Wright for five years. He was the Eagles offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. so the Eagles have lost that. And they've lost their QB coach in John DeFilippo. And that's two big losses for that offense because if you look at what he did with Wentz and Foles, and obviously Coach Peterson gets a lot of, a lot of that credit, uh, credit yeah. but... Those two guys, there is going to be a big loss. There's going to be a difference. I think they're, they're going to still be dynamic. Coach Peterson's a great offensive mind. He was with, uh, he was a backup to Brett Favre and the Packers, and he kind of learned from all of his experiences. So, what'd you think about the NBA trade deadline? Um, I mean, pretty much it was Cleveland making all the moves, but the way that they did it, I mean, you have to look at it like, listen, they got younger, you know, so. In the long run, those trades are going to end up being good trades. And I, I just watched the game today against the Celtics. They blew them out. And, you know, those those guys that they picked up, are they, they really produced, you know. So the thing about it is I feel like they pulled the trigger a little bit too early on Isaiah Thomas. Um, just for the fact that, I mean, look, the guy was injured. He's, he's coming back. He's trying to get the, you know, the sw- back in the swing of things. And I just feel like they, they did pull the trigger a little bit too early there, but... You know, it, it, I'm thinking it's going to pay off in the long run for them. I, I think yeah. I think that trade makes them... Because, look, they were struggling before the trades that they did make. So, I'm thinking that, you know, they're back to that championship team that they, that they were in the yeah. past. You know, I think they're right back to where they were at. I, I, I definitely agree with... They look very energetic tonight. I think they pulled the trigger too late on Isaiah Thomas because, they, boy, it looked like they all hated each other. And they hated Isaiah... 
And it seems like Isaiah caused a lot of friction in that. Right, especially with with, with like Kevin fr- Love. That like he was yeah, he was, was trying to say, get the team exactly. to turn on Kevin Love, and and you know that's a guy that's been there for a few years. You know you can't just yeah, come and in and exactly. expect to have things changed in your favor. You're a new guy. And you you got to prove yourself. Exactly, and you could kind of tell the other guys were just a you know they kind of hated LeBron too because there was no energy. If you look at LeBron tonight, LeBron looked like a cheerleader. He looked like a leader. He was you know he was out there celebrating jumping off the bench right. i haven't seen that lebron all year yeah on has been for his night and day and look at the stat line chetty osmond who i think is a solid dude he plays great defense is that the dude from and uh that's, that's the dude from macedonia right not from turkey oh turkey yeah, yeah that's right yeah, he played professionally he played professionally in turkey right and he had 29 minutes all right he had 12 points and then Bron, 24 points. Tristan Thompson, he only has six. But he, 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 you felt his presence around the, the basket. Right. Oh, definitely. J.R. Smith, 15 points, shot 85%. George Hill, he was facilitating. You could see the defense. You could see the defense was there. Jordan Clarkson was energetic today. He was shooting threes. You see LeBron celebrating that. Jeff Green, Rodney Hood, Larry Nance. Yeah. Kyle Korver. Like you could go down the list and you could see how deep that they are, and how how that really showed in today's win. They blew out the Celtics, who are the best defensive team in the league, mm-hmm. and it's it's a good sign. I know it's only the first game; the jury is still out. You can't declare that they're gonna win the championship, but that it it definitely shows a championship caliber team, and it definitely shows a team that can win the East. Right, you still got LeBron and. You know what I'm really excited for? Baseball season. Yeah. Really excited for baseball season. I'm going to try to be to, to, to really follow baseball this year. I know I said that last year, but yeah. I, I'm going to like like when I was younger, man, I was always like I was really into baseball. I was I was always following everything that was going on. And it kind of just I, I kind of just became like a strictly like NFL. Like I knew like all the shit with the NFL, but it's like. I'm gonna really try and get back into to baseball this year. I, that's that's my plan. So we'll see what happens with that. I mean, I yeah. Mean, look no, at the I Yankees. Mean, they got Judge and Giancarlo Stan. It's like huge. You, yeah. It, it's it's really gonna be but, it's uh, gonna be a fun year for them. The great thing is we're you know we're part of a great site right now. We have guys who are super super deep and knowledgeable in baseball. So we'll definitely get a podcast of that up of just the whole off season, which has been really slow. But um, I think we're going to head into this interview, so enjoy. My guy. What's going on, brother? Not too much. Hold on one second. I want to make sure I get you in. All right, perfect. All right, buddy. So, yeah, uh, glad to have you on. Max Lepp, Seltzer. I know you work for Today's Athletes now. Yes, that is correct. Awesome. That must be a sweet gig. I see the the athletes that you guys have on board, such as Kendrick Perkins, uh, Big Baby Davis, Chris Hogan, just to name a few. Um, what kind of services do you guys provide? Yeah, no, so to backtrack, when we started the company about three years ago, our company actually derived from a digital marketing agency. So my two co-founders founded a company called, uh, called Today's Business, which primarily focused on all digital representation can you hear me okay I yeah i hear this. you good i hear you good awesome so it primarily focused on all digital uh, marketing services for businesses so seo scm website development affiliate marketing social media management the whole nine uh we had this vast network of athletes that we knew given my co-founder went to college with chris hogan they played together at monmouth and uh we were also in well uh I'll say well-connected with David Deal, who won two Super Bowls with the Giants back, back in 07. Network we had, we decided to start today's athletes just under three years ago. When we started, I, we weren't really sure if we wanted to focus on marketing or contract on-the-field representation. Uh, so we decided to give it a chance on the contract side. didn't really work out. Took a step back, reevaluated, and said, you know what? We are based in marketing digital marketing, sports marketing, directly intersected. So we might as well stick with that. Over the last, I would say, the 18 really started to hit our stride. We brought out some of those, which you have named, like guys like Kendrick Perkins, Kevin Garnett, Justin Pugh, Dwayne Harris. All right. And what I'm guessing you've had intimate, you know, 
connection with these guys. You've you've probably met each and one of them. Correct. All I, I work uh, hand in hand with all our clients. I'm uh, the head of business development, so I handle all their endorsements, all their meetings. I handle the liaison uh, and communication internally from whatever they're social. All right, uh, it, it cut out a little there. Uh, just. To backtrack a little bit, the last thing we heard was, you know, you do some liaison work for them. And really my first question for you is, uh, how is it being around Kevin Garnett? <laughs> it must be quite an experience. It, it definitely is. And, and uh, you, you remember from being friends from our days at college. I yeah. grew up in the industry. My father has been a, uh, an agent for NFL players, broadcasters for over 25 years. So I've been around a lot of the big name athletes, yeah. you know, over my days and been very grateful of that. Been an awesome experience, but being able to work with a guy like KG, 15 time NBA All Star, going to be a first bout Hall of Famer, it's definitely an experience. And the one thing I've learned each athlete is, uh, you know, very versatile in their own right. So KG is more of a philanthropic. Uh, philanthropic guy who's trying to make a difference in society beyond battle and also he's you know, so highly respected in the NBA currently that a lot of the younger super up and coming superstars really look look at him as an advocate and somebody they can uh, look up to for advice so being able to be around somebody like that is definitely different uh, while also catering to some of our mid-level NFL players who are just you know, scratching the surface to make a 53-man roster. Exactly, such as Marcus Cooper. I was seeing some of the other guys you guys follow, Marcus Cooper, Dwayne Harris, Justin Pugh. Not not small yeah. names, but I, I definitely agree with you on that. And just to piggyback off of what you were saying about KG being so so well-respected, even today with uh, Paul Pierce having his his uh, jersey you know, put up in the rafters in the garden, he, he completely said, if it wasn't for KG coming to the Celtics, I would not have achieved that next level where I wanted to get to in my career. So it's And also just looking at Carl Anthony Towns and how the, the Timberwolves brought KG kind of as a mentor to him. So I completely agree in that regard that KG is a very well-respected guy. And it's, it's cool to hear that he does all these this back, background stuff because people remember him as, you know, when he's on the court being an agitator and being kind of an enforcer. So it's 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 right. cool to hear of a different facet. And just to switch uh, over to a person you mentioned earlier, Chris Hogan. I mean, I'm a Patriots fan. and <laughs> But what's cool about Chris Hogan is this guy, is a, he was a majority uh, lax player. And to see what he has done and to switch over to the NFL and what he's done on this team is is very impressive. I've seen that you've done a lot of events. And uh, what kind of guy is he? Absolutely. You know, Chris Chris is the type of player. He's got that chip on his shoulder, a guy undrafted, cut by five NFL teams before he latched onto the Buffalo Bills in, uh, I think it was 2014, if I'm not mistaken. You know, Chris is uh, a little more quiet. He's very, he is humble. He's definitely humble but a little more low-key, wants to be on the field. You know, he, he's your he's a football player. Yeah. He's not a guy, you know, we're not, he's not the, uh, we're not going to say he's the most talented, but he's a pure football player. You line him up, especially under Bill Belichick, coach team, Tom Brady as a quarterback, he's going to be able to produce for you. Now, that's the case with a lot of players, but I think you see Chris's athleticism. One thing people fail to forget, this guy put up uh, the, put up 225 29 times at his pro day like that is remarkable and had sub 43 435 speed you don't see that sort of uh, that sort of strength and that sort of um kind of quickness out of a player who was undrafted one year of college football exactly it's nice to see you know what i mean yeah that's uh to me to me being around somebody who was able to really grow really learn from the system, really be able to get a chance and to show what he's capable of. And I will tell you, um, and and I say this humbly, what we've been able to do for Chris from a marketing standpoint, you know, from the second he had that record-breaking AC championship game just over a year ago, his branding is beyond belief. You see that with the content. You see that with the graphics we put out. You see that with the social media. Uh, just his full marketing uh, campaign, given that he grew 
let's call it over 300,000 followers organically in the last 13 months. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's definitely nice to see. And somebody who's about his family, you know, him and his wife have grew up together essentially. And uh, that whole nine, it's, it's definitely nice to see. Wow, that's awesome. And I know you work also, well, not work directly, but I know your family has a, you know, intimate relationship with Tiki Barber, Rondi Barber. And I know you've met uh, LT. And speaking of LT, I don't know if you got to catch the two, 30 for 30, the two bills. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> what you think of? In, I watched it in Minnesota, at Mall of America. They showed it. It was cool. Wow. So, what was that? The crowd like there, the, where you saw it? Pretty cool. Um, you know, it, it was a private screening, so I probably in a room with about 15, 20 individuals. Uh, I think that were in NFL communication roles. It was. It's something really unique, especially you know, growing up around Lawrence, as you mentioned. You know, I've known Lawrence since I was legitimately, you know, two to three years old. And uh, as I got older and got into the business, being able to pick his brain yeah. on what it was like back then, because you got to remember, Bill Belichick, uh, Bill Belichick, as of 2018, is widely regarded as top three, if not the best coach ever. Yeah. So when you go back to when he was a special teams coordinator, linebackers, defensive coordinator, getting integrated into that role and really becoming a known coach around the NFL – it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable to see. And I mentioned this to my father. The coaching staff from that 86 team, it's one of Insane. the best coaching, pure coaching teams you'll ever see. Insane. Look, look, look at this, some of the assistants. All right, you got Bill, you got Parcells, but then you got Romeo Cornell, you got Charlie Wise. I believe um, Tom Coughlin, Tom was, Coughlin was there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tom Coughlin. You, it's, it's a laundry list of guys. And then even just just the, the the coaches that surround both of those guys, because then you go to Cleveland, and then if you look at Bill's coaching tree there, you know Nick Saban, Jim Schwartz, who was just an assistant, is like a lot of right. the guys today somehow had some 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 sort of connection to Bill, both well, the two Bills. Absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. Uh, so speaking of LT, you know, you've grown up around him and a lot of people don't really get the backstory of LT. A lot of people see, you know, this this guy who was a very flamboyant player back in the day. He was insane. You know, he was, they had to change the rules for him. What What's something that really, you know, not a lot of people know of LT or like see of LT, you know, that you probably, you've seen growing up with him? For sure. I'll give you two things when it comes to a football standpoint. You know, he wasn't the most intellectually smartest football player, you know, like a Peyton or a Tom Brady. When it comes to his X's and O's, he is as good as anybody in terms of being able to read a football field. You know, for watching a game with him, the shit he points out even 20, 30 years later, being out of it and seeing how the game has evolved is really cool to see. The other thing, it's, you know, people... People get all caught up because, yeah, at the time, there wasn't as much order as there is in today's day. You see the way Roger Cadell controls the league and has a hold on the league. Back then, guys like LT, when you're the best player in the world and you're the best player in the NFL, literally the yeah. first, the number one player in the league at that time, there was no control. It was this player is going to do whatever he wants. And we're going to have to deal with it because of the magnitude he's bringing on Sundays. When it comes to nowadays, he'll point out that's just not the way it is. And it's good because he said he would, if it was, uh, you know, if he was playing in today's league, he would have been in a lot better shape and he would have played, he would have gotten another three to four years out of his career. Well, that was going to be my next question. Do you think his game would translate to today? I do because he changed the linebacking position yep. forever. Yep. The way he played. And the way that the old that coordinators and O line coaches have to literally game plan around a linebacker, that's purely because of his capabilities. Absolutely. Before we get to that one, my next question will be, you know, you're a Giants guy, you know, not to get too much into it. Uh, how do you feel of the hiring of Pat Shermer? Pat Shermer to me is a good a good pickup for them. I think they needed somebody with offensive and defensive uh, schemes, somebody who was versatile his coaching career, and I think somebody with experience. You know, he was the yeah. head coach before, 
it didn't work out so well. But as we know, most coaches don't work out the first time. Exactly. But being able to do what he, being able to do what he did in Minnesota, you know, he took Case Keenum, who is essentially a career backup, gave this he gave this young man life. You know, he brought Keenum to a whole nother level, and he gave him access to tools physically on the field that Keenum was never able to experience with a guy like a Jeff. A Jeff Fisher. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. So it's definitely coaching that there's a talent gap and there's that much uh, gray area between the talent and the coaching staff. That's a different story. But if you have a solid team with a good, decent roster and a great coach, they, they're going to win some football games. Oh, completely agree. I think it's a very solid pickup. I think the offense is going to be incredibly dynamic. I don't think Eli has ever been the problem. Yes, Eli does make some mistakes that you would like to him to cut down on since the the interceptions, but I don't think everything falls on Eli as Ben McAdoo tried to bench him for Geno Smith, which clearly to everyone besides Ben McAdoo, everybody knew that was not the answer. But I think there's there's a lot of things that you guys can build on and you you'll have a full healthy team next year where, you know, this year you guys didn't have the luxury of that because you, you had Shepard out for a piece. You got Odell for the whole year. You got Brandon Marshall out for the whole year. And then Eli was thrown to the likes of Dwayne Harris and then Sterling Shepard once he came back, which was your number one receiver. Evan right. Ingram did help shoulder the load, but he can't do it all by himself. <laughs> you know what I mean? I couldn't agree more with you. You know, This year was tumultuous for the Giants. It was a learning experience. To me, Eli Manning is definitely a Hall of Famer, but I do think people have to remember uh, he's never been the guy that is going to have a phenomenal regular season. He's not the guy throwing 35 touchdowns, low interceptions, 4,500 yards with a 105 passing. That's just not who he is. You get him to the playoffs and he's performed. Showed you that numerous times, even last year uh, in the 2017 playoffs when they nearly beat the Packers in Lambeau. He had a phenomenal game. He's playoff caliber quarterback. Regular season, he's not going to have those gloating statistics, and you're 100% right. When you lose, especially you got to remember, they lost Odell, Brandon Marshall, and our guy Dwayne Harris all in the same game. The same game. game. Yep. And, and, uh, yeah, I think it was week five, uh, week five or week six. And when you're already 0-5 at that point, you lose, without a question, your best player. Uh, you're, you're just heading for a you know, uh, not the best season, unfortunately. And resume a year later, Odell gets healthy. This team makes some moves in the offseason on the O-line, on the uh, wide receiver position maybe, maybe a running back. And this is a solid football team. Evan, Evan Ingram is going to be a good, good tight end in the NFL for years to come, especially I, as that position I, evolves. I agree. I'm not going to lie to you. I was very critical of that pick that you guys made because – I thought at the position that you guys were at, you could have gotten an offensive lineman and probably gotten Evan later on. But right. the the main the main thing you could take away from Evan, you cannot complain about him being a receiver. He's an outstanding receiver. He will take the top off any defense. Is his blocking. And that's something that you can work on. So it's not the worst of picks. Now, my next question for you is, I mean, I know you represent two guys who are currently on the Giants, you know, Pew and, and Dwayne Harris. Is it, do you see it to be a little difficult at times to, you know, like, I know you're a fan, you know, to ask questions right. like, what's going on behind the locker room? Like, do these guys actually hate each other? Or do you kind of just stay away from things like that and just focus on, you know, representing them the best that you can? Absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a funny question because as a Giants fan, and being around the Giants my whole life, you're always going to wonder what's going on during a season like this. And, you know, some guys, even even guys that we don't represent, that I'll see, you know, around New Jersey, New York, that I'm connected with, you can tell the vibe. And the vibe is, it's simple to read, and it's something where once you see somebody on the team, you're like, you know what, it just, it's not worth it to ask. You know, it's not the right time. And from there, I'm, for our guys like Dwayne and Justin, we're, we're just focused on building a brand around that. Obviously, sometimes it makes my job a little harder because if the team's not performing, and especially they're a tri-state area guy in the backyard, you know, this should be a, a layup for us. But when exactly. the team's not performing, it definitely makes it harder to go get them additional opportunities and additional revenue. 
um, when all these outside factors are occurring. That's a, I respect that. So you being connected as you are, you know, the Patriots have lost Josh McDaniels. Well, no, we retained Josh McDaniels. Right. So his agent dropped him. So how would you, you know, like you personally, if you were representing Josh McDaniels, would you drop him? Because it, it does kind of look bad. If he gave them the final word, he said, hire all these guys. I'm coming for sure. Would I mean, would you have fired him? Would you have retained him? How would you have handled that situation? That's definitely a, uh, a tough situation, Anthony. It's oversaturated, though, for certain agents. Hey, hey, Max. Their word is their bond. It's, it's a very unique situation, Anthony. This industry is so cutthroat, so oversaturated. So for some of these agents, the word is their bond, and their word is very valuable. Representing NFL executives, it's a uh, it's a tough situation because you don't want you don't want any other executive any other owner in the NFL saying hey we dealt with you and your client last time you gave you basically shook our hand it was a done deal but then redacted it at the eleven o'clock hour so for somebody like that they may want to show you know what you don't have to be scared of doing business with me because if my client screwed you then I, I don't want to work my with my client anymore even though Josh McDaniels will very soon be one of the higher paid coaches in the NFL. So that's nice to see uh, a coaching agent drop his client and forfeit that sort of income due to unprofessionalism. Yeah, and I mean... Discourteous like, situations. Like I said, it's it's my team, but there's a lot of a lot of drama, more drama this year than you know a Patriots fan is used to because the Patriot way, there should be no drama around. There should be football, football, football. Don't listen to the outside noise, put everything aside. We lose the Super Bowl in the fashion that we did. Uh, we, we don't know what Malcolm Butler did because he was benched the whole game. He's our second in my eyes. Stephon Gilmore played lights out for the last half of the season. So to me, he was our best corner. But Malcolm was close to, to first. He he was very important to our defense. And for us, for us to give up all those yards and all those points and Malcolm to be on the side, and for us to put in Johnson Badamosi, who's a special teams player, who allowed Nelson Aguilar to catch all over him, for Jordan Richardson to come into a game before Butler does, and for Jordan Rich- Richardson to overrun a wheel route, on Clement, and then Clement takes it up for 30 to 40 yards. It's unacceptable. It's just, it was a very weird game. It was it was very strange to see. I actually think Bill got thoroughly outcoached. And I'll tell you this, Doug Peterson may have coached the single best game I've ever seen in a football in NFL Absolutely. coach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, it was remarkable. Absolutely. It was flawless, beyond belief, the play calls, the balls to go for it on numerous fourth downs in his own side of the uh, Absolutely. side of the 50. Beyond that, beyond that to me what was uh, unique to see was I think Bill because you mentioned it the Patriots way you insert any player into the lineup and they perform. You were not doing that in the Super Bowl versus the best team in the NFC. Exactly. And to, and to disregard Malcolm Butler unless he absolutely missed curfew or did something to show a blatant sign of disrespect to the organization, you have to have them in that football game. Like you said, you had a lot of special teams caliber players going up against guys like Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar who have had a ton of momentum and success this current year. NFL is a year-over-year league. I can't go by what Nelson Aguilar did exactly year in his second year. Exactly. All year. So you had to look at him as a threat, along with the three-headed monster running a game uh, running attack that they had and that's that's virtually and it was another thing that was very weird to see was we were stuck basically in the nickel all game with a third safety so it was technically a big nickel and like you said coach peterson coached he he, like i i will agree with that he had the best game plan i have ever seen he coached the best game i have ever seen he saw that his defense was leaky so he took the chances to keep tom brady on the off the field and keep his team on offense, and that that running attack, the to have Eric Rowe on Alshon Jeffrey, and then Alshon Jeffrey caught that first touchdown. Dude, it was never going to happen. From the first drive, they walked down the field. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. You know, the biggest thing, you know, it's one thing about third and two, third and three, third and four. When you're giving up third and eights, third and nines, third and twelves all game, you're not winning the Super Bowl like that. Absolutely. It's not happening. 
You're getting smoked on every single drive. All right, so this is my last question for you, man. Any good story? You know, nothing bad. Just any any good stories. Uh, you know, be hand in hand with clients during events where we I've seen a lot. I've been hand in hand with uh, helping a client kind of give them a little PR crisis management when they had issues on yeah. social media. You know, it's a multitude of actually. Kinda, all right, I'll tell you this. What was the one player, one person you've met that left you, you know, you were beside yourself? It was the, the, the best, you know, like the best experience you've had in your current career. Versatility in guys that I've either worked with or have been around. Um, I'll tell you from a somebody, we mentioned him, we were talking about him a few minutes ago. KG was definitely one of the more mind-blowing uh, meetings I had because I, I, he's such a soft-spoken guy. And sitting with him during what? a two, three hour meeting. Yeah, man. And to go through all his initiatives, all his concerns, what he wants to do with himself over the next 10 years in a two to three hour meeting, it's really, really unique to see. And uh, it, it was definitely eye opening to, to go beyond that. Another guy I actually had a long conversation with last week in Minnesota and also had about an hour and a half phone call with him yesterday. I don't know if you're going to remember him, but his name is Matt Stover. He of was course, kicker, yeah, yeah, of course. He was the kicker kicker for the Ravens back yeah. in you know, the 2000 Super Bowl. Had a great 15-year uh, NFL career. Yeah. Um, very, very savvy business guy. Had a few startup companies that he ended up starting, selling, you know, making some good money, and launched a, a philanthropic business that essentially helps any NFL player run their charities and making sure they run them the correct way being able to have a conversation with a guy like that who's seen it all um it's very insightful very informative very versatile so that was definitely uh, a great meeting and i'll tell you this uh one player i haven't met outside of um just about anybody i could have wanted to my ears my outside of my clients is my favorite player in the nfl and aaron Rodgers. one wow. player i have not met that i would love to meet that's insane. I'm I'm sure you'll catch up to him one you know, one of these days, all the events that I see you at and it's it's coming soon. I got kind of, I got pretty close last Wednesday night in Minnesota, uh, with James Jones, you know, who and the wide receiver number eighty nine who was with them for about seven, eight years. Uh, he's on NFL Network and he's a huge advocate, one of Aaron's very close friends. Yeah. So I picked his brain a little bit about yeah. uh, what it was like as a player, as a person. So I Definitely hope in the next year or two I get to uh, get to meet him. All right, perfect. All right, so we'll have you back on, and we'll see if you met Aaron, see if you have a good story for us about that. No doubt about it. I would love to. Uh, anything else you guys need, I'd, I'd be happy to help and always happy to share information. All right, let's get to some segments now. Let's talk about the NFL free agency. So I have up here the top 25 free agents on NFL.com. I mean, number one is Jimmy G, but as we all know, Jimmy G is now a rich man, and he is no longer on that free agent list. So the next one under Jimmy G is Kirk Cousins. Where do you think Kirk Cousins is going to end up? All right, I truthfully think to my buddy Sully's dismay, I think that Kirk Cousins is going to go to Denver. I think that Von Miller has been openly courting him, <laughs> commenting on every social media outlet that Kirk has. Mm-hmm. I know that the Jets can offer him that huge contract. The Browns can also offer him a huge contract. But ultimately, I think the pieces to compete right now, even though they are aging, and I've heard a, a lot of valid points about the offensive line isn't as good. You got C.J. Anderson, who not showing that he's too well but I think that that defense even though it is aging and they have heard that the Broncos are actively shopping Aqib Tlaib I think they will give him a huge contract and I think he will ultimately be a Bronco uh, before we move on though I heard that the Redskins are trying to tag and trade him which would be the right. biggest fucking dick move because you didn't want to pay the man. I mean, you've been paying him the big bucks on that franchise tag, but you didn't want to commit to him. And yeah, let, just the let, guy, him let the guy go. go. Let the guy test free agency. It's it's that that's also a dirty move, I think, by Washington, man. If you if they end up tagging him and trying to trade him, it, I mean, 
listen, it's part of the business, but I, I think they should let the guy test free agency and see what happens. In my opinion, besides from the Broncos, I think, you know, the Jets and the Jaguars are also possibilities for, for Kirk to end up with. Yeah, but the Jaguars have said, and I don't understand, they, they said they're sticking with Bortles. Is you know it's kind of it's lunacy to to sit there and say okay we got to the AFC Championship yeah but We're that that was all that was all the defense let's be defense. honest here I mean defense. Bortles played a great game in that last playoff game but I I mean the, they wouldn't have been there without that defense so it, it's kind of hard to give Bortles the credit there and absolutely you got a good quarterback the Jaguars are the best team in the league yeah I agree so. Best team- after Kirk Cousins, they got Drew Brees. I mean, I really oh, can't he, see Drew to, not re-signing with, it, with the Saints. That's a done deal. Yeah, he's, he's done. After Drew, we got Le'Veon Bell. Um, He'll be a stealer. They're going to have to pay him somewhat close to the money he wants. He's talking about he wants the big bucks, but you can't pay everybody on that team. So if I was Le'Veon, you know, and I've spoken to Tony, who's, He's on the site, and that's his team. And even he acknowledges it. Uh, Le'Veon has two to three years at best. We all know that running backs fall off a cliff. And I just would not give him the big bucks. No way. No shot. Yeah, running backs, it's really tough because, you know, look, you have to – these guys are getting – they're getting hit on almost every play. So there's only, you know, there's only a number of hits that you could take without, you know, you start to fall off. Like you said, they fall off that cliff. your, your body just can't handle those hits, so yeah. it, it it sucks because Levy. Let's be honest, he's the number one back in the league. It's pretty hard to argue yep. that. So he does deserve that money, but you've seen it in the past. You know, teams tie up all this money with a guy who's who's produced in the past, and then once they get paid, they just fall off the you know they fall off the map. So yep. I, I do think he's going to end up back with the Steelers. I know Odell was on Instagram trying to recruit him for the Giants, but I, I just I don't even I don't see the Giants dropping a huge bag for Le'Veon because you know there's guys like Jarek McKinnon out there. He's he's familiar with that that Vikings you know that yep. Vikings game plan. And then you know there's also talks of them drafting Saquon, Saquon Barkley. So, I would not do that. Yeah, that I, I don't know about so that stupid. one either. That's I would never take. A running back that high, yeah, he could be a game changer. But you guys have so many offensive line issues that it wouldn't even right. make it there. I think they would've have to go either if if, if 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 they think Davis Webb is that man, that 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 next, you know, the next up behind Eli, you have to go offensive line. I think first pick. If you don't think Davis you Webb is the guy, forward. you have to go yeah. quarterback. It's got to be offensive I, line I, or quarterback. Yeah, I would trade down. I would try to get better picks. I mean, yeah, you guys are top five. I would trade down, get at least try to get at least an extra pick and take O line. I would probably go O line back to back. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I agree, but it's crazy also because Cleveland has two top five picks, and I, oh. I was I was looking at a mock draft and they had them taking Sam Darnold and Saquon Barkley. I mean, listen, how many how many how many first round picks is it going to take for Cleveland to be a fucking contender? You know what I mean? Good. The thing is. Cleveland isn't. If you look at how many close games yeah, they were in, they were in every Cleveland game. It's not that bad. They just stink at quarterback, mm-hmm. and Jackson just clearly can't get the job done. He's one in thirty-one. They're sticking with him. It's 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 frustrating me just to think about it. Right. But I was thinking about it, man. If the Browns get Kirk Cousins, they don't have to get a quarterback in the draft, and they could draft Saquon Barkley and another top five guy, man. Yeah, no, I mean, we saw Josh Gordon could still be that guy. Like that, that's it. He, yeah. he he can still be that guy. He just needs the right play. Like he needs the right quarterback slinging it to him. He can be that top five talent. Yeah, for sure. But um, let's see. So after Le'Veon, we're just gonna go through this. We'll we'll, we'll go through the top ten real quick. So number yeah. five, Demarcus Lawrence for the Cowboys. I don't see them letting him. I don't see them letting him walk. He's gonna end up being back. I think. Um, Allen Robinson, wide receiver for the Jaguars. He'll be back. I think he'll be back as well. He, yeah. he is coming off that torn ACL, but um, the, he'll you know, be they, back. They have a lot of money invested in that in that in that defense, so you got to see what they you know what they have available to spend. They might just let him walk. 
I think they're going to end up re-signing him, but we'll see at that point. Number seven, Teddy Bridgewater. Ooh. Um, That's a, I don't know for me right now because I need to see who the Vikings are going to stick with because all three of those quarterbacks are... Right, they're all starting talent. And they're all free agents. Um, You know, I mean, I could see them, you know, signing him to a short-term deal. You know, maybe... Maybe a year or two, you know, see if they, they, they just want to, you know, guarantee who's going to be, you know, who's going to be the guy. Maybe sign him to a year, maybe franchise. I don't know. We'll see what they do with that. Yeah. Um, number eight, we got Sheldon Richardson, defensive tackle for the Seahawks. Um, I think he'll be back. I'll tell you this. I think he's coming back to the Jets. You think he's coming back to the Jets? Yep. I think he is. The Jets are interested in him and... Sheldon does want to be back with that team. He, before he left, he really wanted to become that vocal leader for the team. He wants to, he wants to be in in New York, man. I think he he will be back in the Jets. Okay, I don't know. They they had a rough year, obviously. I mean, everyone thought they were gonna have two wins. They, they you know they got a little bit more than expected, but the Jets, you know, the past couple of years, they the defense has been carrying them. You know what I mean? No, but this year, I'll tell you this, man. They get a they get a quarterback. They get something. They get some pieces. The Jets can contend. The Jets have some fa- Jamal Adams. That's <laughs> true. That's true. If the Jets Morris do get a Claiborne, quarterback, the, bringing Morris Claiborne on, huh, great. It's been great decisions. And Todd Bowles, I said this before. Todd Bowles and that Jets organization made the right moves because once you get the guys that you can really coach up, that's when you see what you have in the coach and. We're seeing Todd Bowles is doing some things right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Todd Bowles is a bad coach. You know, I just they 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 didn't have that talent on offense that they needed to be able to move the ball to score. And if you can't do yeah. that, you're not going to win. I know people say defense wins championships, but if your offense is a is a major liability, you're not going to win games. It's it, it's just that simple. Yep. Exactly. Um, so let's just hop into these last two real quick. Uh, Ezekiel Ansa for the Lions Thank defensive yeah. end. He's another guy I think, that I mean I, I I I'm thinking they're probably gonna just end up resigning him. Yep, of course. And they just got a defensive guy in Matt Patricia. So I think Ziggy is gonna be back. He's he'll definitely sign with them. I don't think he's going anywhere. Right. And then we have at number ten Jarvis Landry for the Dolphins. The juice. He I'm thinking he's gonna be moving, honestly. You think he's moving? I think he's gonna be moving. Um I mean, it, at the same time, it comes down to where he wants to go too. You know, it's yeah, it's I not don't. always what the, it's it's not always what the team wants and how much money is there. If if he wants to get out of there, he'll get out of there. You know, so I do see him resigning with the Dolphins, but you know, we'll, we'll end up. You know, we got a lot of time in the offseason to talk about that. I'll have him back in Miami. 